Well, it feels like we, uh, we have summer, 20 degree weather. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite, most simple yet powerful verses in the Gospels. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Powerful words spoken by Jesus, words which the church has echoed and echoed throughout the ages, and words which we speak rightly today, the first Sunday of Lent. It's beautiful, this first Sunday of Lent, that we have the story of Noah, not only in the first reading, but just echoed again in our second reading. Because it's a good reminder for all of us that our baptism as our entrance into this story, the story of salvation history. I just had the 8 a.m. mass back at Crane Road and there in the section near St. Patrick's statue, all of our catechumens, those in RCA, coming into the church, preparing this Lent to receive baptism, come Easter vigil. And so we have Noah, the character, that great story, who is a prophet and every prophet is a prefigurement, uh, an early type of Christ, the Messiah to come. He's also called a new Adam. So just like Adam that God entered into relationship with, so he enters a relationship with Noah, uh, the father of a new race, receiving a new covenant of love, a covenant which still endures till this day. So he's a type of Jesus. Then we have the Ark. There's this website where it's called thesacredpage.com. It's a wonderful website. Highly encourage you to all look it up. But it's where your priests of this parish get a lot of our homily material, right? People think it's original, but it's really not. (laughs) There's no copyright laws on homilies that I'm aware of. But there's this website, he writes, Dr. John Bergsman, he's one of the greatest scholars right now on scripture. And he looks at the ark and how many call it a zoo. Quite literally, there's every type of animal. But remember, he highlights, zoo is short for a zoological garden. It's just a shortened form of that. In other words, a garden of Eden. So Noah is the new Adam, and this ark, the zoo, is a new garden of Eden. A place of grace, of union with God, of protection from the raging floods and storms and evils of the world. We're even told that the ark is three stories high. All these details, you can kind of glance over them, but if you like zoom out and look at the big picture and then zoom back in, In the first book of Kings, we're told that the temple, where God is known to dwell in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem, is also three stories high. So not only is this ark a new garden of Eden, but it's a symbol, a typology of the temple. It goes even further. Finally, the ark, the church father says, is a symbol of the church. The church who is often called the ark, the bark of St. Peter, floating through the seas, protecting all on it, leading them to eternal life. One of my favorite paintings is by a Dutch painter named Rembrandt. He lived in the 1600s, and there's a very famous painting of his. It's painted in 1633 called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Maybe you've seen it before. It's a fascinating history in itself. It was actually stolen about eight years ago, a priceless painting. They've still yet to recover it. But you could Google it, look it up later. There's two groups on this boat. They're on the boat in the middle of the sea. On the left side um, is half of the apostles. On the right side is the other half. So if we start on the left side, they are staring at the storm. They are freaking out, you know, tending to the sail, like one guy's hanging halfway outside the boat, like they're just beside themselves. And then you move just about a few feet over to the right side of the boat, and it looks like they all just woke up from the most wonderful Sunday nap. 
usually a nap I take after all these masses. <laughs> but what are they staring at? Not the storm. They are staring into the eyes of Jesus, who is sitting calmly in the midst of them. So both groups of men on the boat, surely on the boat of St. Peter of the church, but both having terribly different experiences. You could highlight this even with other stories in our Gospels, like the, the tension between Martha and Mary. It's a beautiful image. Again, I encourage you to look it up, but we could back up and ask the first question, why are they on the boat to begin with, or, or how are they on the boat? Why was Noah, his family, and animals on that boat? Put simply, because of the water, uh, because of the flood, because of the storm. Those apostles that are recalled into communion with God through Jesus, the high priest, to a new covenant of love. They re-enter into that Garden of Eden, right, symbolized by the boat or the temple, the ark. And the crux of it all, they re-enter through water. In other words, by their baptism. So this flood of Noah, the second reading tells us, is a prefigurement of our baptism, of re-entering that saving ship which will guide us to eternal life, allows us to board the boats and re-enter communion with God. So by our baptism, by your baptism, in this analogy, we're on the boat. The ship on a clear course of mission, being equipped with all the necessary things for sailing. You got your oars, your rudder, your sails. We have the sacraments, we have scripture, we have tradition, the magisterium. But the ship is nonetheless barraged and just battered by storms, by evil, by the world, both externally and internally. So we even know those on the boat to be quite imperfect in themselves. Even those with great responsibility make some pretty grave sins and errors, causing harm to others, maybe even damage to the boat. But nonetheless, the boat continues on, divine and holy in itself, even with those weeds mixed in with the wheat. So often I tell people that are struggling in our church today or in the world, in this analogy, assuming you're on the boat, what is the absolute worst things you could do? Number one, focus on the storm, just like that painting. Uh, But number two, don't jump off the boat. Right? That is the worst case scenario in the midst of a storm. Because sadly we know that despite their baptism, many choose to leave the boat, to jump off, to not remain with Jesus. To cleave to some other Christian church, effectively a buoy in the face of a tsunami. It's, it's kind of like golf. A, a good priest friend of mine once brought up, you know, in golf, you player, uh, you have 14 clubs. So you got your, you know, all your iron set, your woods, a short game, a couple utility clubs. And so imagine two guys go out to golf, two women, one's a Catholic, one's not a Catholic. Both have technically a fair, equal opportunity to exceed in the game. And so the Catholic has all 14 clubs. He has all the seven sacraments. He has tradition. He has scripture. He has the protection of the church. And then the non-Catholic has scripture, kind of some tradition, but not really marriage and baptism, maybe four or five clubs out of the 14. Technically, maybe if I'm playing Tiger Woods, you know, he would still kill me with four clubs, right? <laughs> uh, but to take the analogy um, in a theological sense of the greatness and the graces of being there in the church, there's people that just decide to go about it themselves, perhaps through a false spirituality, apathy, agnosticism, 
So brothers and sisters, this is a great season to pray for those people this Lent, but also to pray for ourselves and our church. It's a good gut check. Because at your baptism, the Holy Spirit was poured forth upon you, giving you a supernatural strength to be a member, an active member of the body of Christ, to bring about his kingdom on this earth, to proclaim with him the time of fulfillment is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. But it could be difficult to proclaim this if we don't believe it and we're not already practicing it. If we're focusing on the storm or we're just struggling to maybe accept something, that our church teaches as true. We cannot know that we are in the kingdom if we're not in right relationship with the king and the kingdom he set about. So Lent is this prime time for examination and purification to know that Adam, he fell living in an earthly paradise grasping for more. Yet Jesus, our scriptures today, went into the desert and prevailed through dwelling with God in the face of temptation. So let us enter into this desert of Christ to remain steadfast in the ark of his church, the new Eden, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand.